1: everyone welcome to the modern drama podcast our very special guest today is the one and only sheila e hello sheila hi how are you i'm wonderful thank
2: you how are you long time no see
1: i know i i I miss you i think the last time we were together was ringo's birthday his 79th birthday
2: something like that it was a couple years or so ago yeah yeah oh
0: a capital that's, yeah, right. Cap- That's right. We're Always at Capital. Yeah. yeah. Great to see you again.
2: You too.
1: What I want to say right now is I want to say congratulations to you because in the modern drama history of the Reader's Poll that we've been doing for almost 40 years, there has never been a woman eligible to even be nominated. And there were two women nominated this year and you actually won. What? You are the first <laughs> woman to ever be in the modern drama hall of fame. Are you kidding me? So congratulations. Oh,
2: oh thank you. Wow. Oh well,
0: well deserved. And Sheila, this is the readers from throughout the world. We had an unprecedented response uh, from all of our readers worldwide voting on this. And oh. you you did it. You you've won the hearts and souls of millions. Billions of drummers and percussionists worldwide. Congratulations.
2: Wow. Thank you so much. That's amazing. I, wow. I mean, I, that's, that's amazing. I can't even believe that that's, hold on. I'm going to change the sound. Um, I mean, I knew that the, they were talking about, you know, people nominating whomever. And, and so I wasn't really paying attention to it, you know, and we were just saying, oh, you know, vote. I did one thing. Cause someone said you can ask people to vote. So I said, Hey, whomever you vote for, just go and vote for someone and be a part of the process. Um, and I saw that Cindy and I were um, nominated, which I didn't know, no women ever had ever been nominated, that I did not know.
1: Not for the Hall of Fame, no. So and- it's about time and-
2: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm just kind of like, I, how does, I don't believe that, like it's 2021, I mean that I'm the I, first I, it doesn't even
1: wow you, well, you, you know I'm something honored. and and when we were looking at it we didn't even we didn't even realize it ourselves because we we were just you know every year we just kind of talk about who you know who it's going to be or whatever but we don't know why it's taken this long but it's just i guess now is the time so wow. you are the first so you made history for modern drama thank what? you <laughs> now let's let's talk about this tell us tell us how you feel about that what is what are I, you feeling i mean you wow. won, you've won so many prestigious awards wow
2: no i i am um, i'm humbled i feel i'm trying not to cry i'm emotional i just it's just hard to believe it's like you know i don't i don't know it's just so crazy it, it's um it's hard to believe that it's taken this long that I've never I didn't know that there's never been a woman and and to say like you said earlier, even even to qualify that 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 doesn't make sense to me there there's so many. incredible drummers in the world, like all over the world, and some of them just happen to be women, and there are a lot of women playing right now like and more than i've ever seen in my entire life and for me to be the first I. Wow, I'm so humbled and grateful. Thank you, and thank you to all the the people who voted for me because I, uh, wow, I'm 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 very thankful. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Wow,
1: yeah, another you,
2: first for me. That's great.
1: Yeah, well deserved. Actually, really well deserved. The queen of percussion <laughs> is now in the modern drama hall Yay. of fame. Yay! Ah, <laughs> that's now, beautiful. Let, let's talk a little bit about, because um, I don't like the whole thing about, you know, women drummers, male drummers. I mean, everybody plays drums and that's it. But, you know, there, <laughs> there seems to be like back in the day, like when Drumma first started 45 years ago, you know, it, there weren't a lot of female drummers. And, right. and uh, like, because you grew up in a musical family, what advice do you have? Because now... I'm so happy to see that there's more women than ever before playing drums. I mean, my God, there's sites, you know, that that just honor women playing drums. There's contests, there's all these, you know, different things to get more women to play drums. And parents are supporting girls now to play drums. It's not like, back in the day, they kind of didn't really, like it wasn't a girl thing, which I don't like, you know? But, so what advice do you have as a woman growing up in this business? What advice can you give our readers?
2: Well, I mean, it's interesting, the advice that I got from my dad, my mom and my dad, really, but it, it was, I mean, I was fortunate to, to grow up in a home that had music constantly every single day. And the advice was from my parents was always to, you know, whatever you want to do, um, give it your 150%, always just give it your all. Um, And if you want to make it, if this is what you want to do, it's not going to be easy, you've got to fight for it, you have to really believe that you can, Um, there will be a lot of no's, and I've had no's, I still get no's often, and that's okay because there's certain situations that maybe we're not supposed to do yet, or we might not be ready, or maybe they're not ready, but the, the no's had turned, for me, had turned into opportunities, so the advice was you know, no's are opportunities. Um, It doesn't mean that you're not qualified. Sometimes it just means maybe not this time or this season because seasons change, Uh, but maybe it's not this door, but it's the other door that'll open for something else that might have been better for you than the one you really wanted. But because you went this way, this other opportunity, so that no gave you a blessing somewhere else. So it's just, there were so many no's and there still are no's throughout my life. And and that that advice from my parents was to continue to just move forward. And when you figure out, or you, yeah, I guess figure out what your passion is, you're just gonna go for it. That passion then becomes your purpose. And you look at things differently. You feel differently about playing, you, you know, um, that advice was probably the most important thing was when i found that i knew what my passion was like this is what i want to do i felt it i knew it i believed it's like this is it i have to play drums and percussion and once i knew that it it my whole life opened up to and it changed to just so many things it's like i want to play and i and it's crazy i mean that's part of the advice but i would turn uh uh to someone playing on stage and we would go see bands all the time Local bands, famous people, it didn't matter. We just wanted to hear music, my brothers and I. So we would go to the side of the stage and we'd say, hey, can we sit in? No, get out of here. <laughs> hey, can we sit in? No, and we just kept asking and begging. Can we just sit? We just kept asking. It was the experience that helped us, even though those no's were no's, but to be there and watch and then become a part of that, that uh, family of music and musicians, it, it really did change my life. It really did. So finding your your purpose, your
1: passion—that's great advice. And um, how old were you? Your first tour was with George Duke. Was that your first major tour?
2: Uh, I mean, I would say no because I went out on tour with my dad when I was 15. So I started with my dad first. The major tour with Azteca—that was the band that he had then uh, in the 70s—and I was 15. And
1: was um, your was your uncle in that? Your uncle was your uncle in that band that, that was in
2: Santana. Yeah. So my uncle, my uncle Coke and my dad started the band, but then my uncle Coke at that time was not in the band and I joined the band with my dad. So that was the first time I knew that this is what I wanted to do at 15. And two weeks later, when I decided this is what I wanted to do by playing with my dad at that one show, uh, two weeks later, we went to Bogota, Colombia, and that was the first time I had been on a plane. It was the first time leaving the country and I was on tour with my dad first.
1: Wow, yeah. and then and then how, how far long after that was George George Duke?
2: Oh, I don't know, but it was it was. Soon you were still
1: fair. You were pretty young. though. you were still fairly young.
2: Yeah, I I was, and I I met George through uh, Billy Cobham because at the time playing with my dad, Billy Cobham <clears throat> came to see me uh, came my, to see my dad perform, and he and he spoke with us and said, "Look, I'd love to produce you and your dad." Um, and, or my dad saying, you know, you and your daughter, um, I would love to come back and produce an album on you. And we're like, what? Okay. We didn't believe him. But he did come back a few months later and he was out with George Duke. So they came back and we did our first record together, my dad and I. I want to say I was 16 or 17 with Billy. We did two albums with Billy. And um, uh, I was around that age. And then I met George Duke. And then soon after that, George was going out on tour somewhere in seventy. Ooh, I'm gonna say seventy-seven, maybe. Okay. Somewhere around there.
1: So fairly, so so it's it's good that and then that experience with your dad was was excellent because at least you saw what it was like being on the road. He kind of saw what you were gonna be like out there on, on the road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. He, you had the support, which is which is great because I always give props to all the parents uh, because without support of, of, of you know, your parents or at least one parent pushing to say, do, do, you know, go ahead. Cause drums, as we all know, it's hard. You know, drums is is loud. So now you started on percussion and I remember you used to say, um, you know, you used to watch dad. So being that you're left-handed, right? And dad was right-handed or was it the opposite?
2: No, it was just like us talking right now. So my dad, I'm right-handed and my dad was playing right-handed. So playing congas, I'm looking at him like this in a mirror image. So, whatever his right hand would do, my left hand would do. So, I mimicked him in an, a mirror image. So, when he got up to stop playing, uh, I would sit on his congas. It was still set up right handed, but I didn't know that I should have switched it. I just played what I heard. I mimicked what I saw in a mirror image. And when I sat down to play, I, was, I didn't even know I was playing left handed, set up for a right handed player.
1: Wow. So, that kind of gave you your own. Vibe your own sound and vibe. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's for pretty, sure. yeah. I remember. I remember that. That 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 that's pretty cool. Then how did you transform over to drums, to drum kit? Um,
2: my dad's. Uh, he used to have rehearsals and uh, jam sessions at the house, and so anytime he had a drummer there, I'd ask the drummer, whoever, Tony Smith, and there were so many great drummers at our house. Um, <laughs> but I would ask, can I just, you know play your drums a little bit oh yeah so I just sit and play for a second but I really noticed the drums more than ever when we were working with Billy Cobham and I was amazed by first of all his setup and the way he had his drums like it wasn't 10 12 14 16 it was like 14 12 10. they were all over the place it's like, it's like you know and I'm like that's why it sounds like that And all his pedals, the double kick pedal, but it wasn't double kick pedal actually It was two pedals because we didn't have double kick then so two separate pedals with two uh, kick drums with a snare. And he also played left handed but he played a, a you know set up a different way and the way that he played in his double kick pedal and his snares the way they sounded the drums and his. I guess his warm up to even perform and play when he did he would stand against the wall with his elbows and he would just do rolls, you know, just warming up and he'd have a conversation. He'd do like singles, doubles, triples, quads, whatever. And he's talking to you and his hands were going up like this without moving his elbows. The sound would stay the same and it would, it would never vary. And I just, I'd never seen anything like that. And then I asked him, could I sit down and, and play his drums? Cause I, it sounded so amazing. I sat down, I was like, gosh this does not sound like it the way that you play (laughs) this sounds totally different and the sticks were so big and heavy and i'm like oh my god no wonder so um i got interested in the jump being next to billy cobham how can you not
1: like watching that's that's amazing
2: watching him play was incredible and what a what a great class to be in like i was being paid to sit there and watch him play and And i never heard
1: that before about against the wall that's pretty cool because yeah that's how you get your technique without flaring your arms and really precise and in control I would imagine yeah I gotta gotta try that I saw Billy
0: you know I I saw Billy play live a lot of times clinics and but there was one particular time that um I was stage left so I was on his hi-hat side for a, a small venue way back in the early 80s and it was and it was when he was doing his grp solo album stuff and um so i was very close to the drum kit and that one it was it was two sets one night and those two sets being that close and watching how many different techniques he employs and how how he has mastered the open hand technique whether it's i had a ride and and his approach to to melodies on the drums, because the drums are in all these, the, the pitches are in all, you know, they're not just the typical sequenced from high to low. I, I can't imagine with the access that you had and the consistency, you could watch him play like that. What I got out of one night was
1: <laughs> I'm still learning what I saw. That oh, night.
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: He, it, he taught me. He taught me how to do the uh, the double stick thing, how he held the double stick, and how to do the double stick thing. That I'll never forget. That.
2: Yeah, it was a it was a plethora of information, and uh, you know, watching him play was incredible enough. You know, just to be and to be able to play with him, my dad and I. I mean, having playing with him and finding the place where you you fit because he does do a lot was teaching us when not to play as well, you know, because you have to find those pockets in the space so that it just, it, it doesn't sound uh, cluttered. It just, it sounds like music and movement and-
1: um, Right, and you, had to, it, you had to find those holes in between like him doing a role. You don't want to do a role at the same time.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you had to wait, you know, we, we had to listen. It. You had to become, the three of us playing had to become one unit because you know, if Billy's getting ready to do a role and we might want to, but I mean, if he's going to do it, if he's doing it, I'll play after he played something, you know, so you have All to right. find those places. And I think you have to do that in general anyway, as a, especially as a percussion player, you have to find those places not to get in the way. Um, and we we're known to add color to something that is already great as opposed to get getting and playing in the way,
1: you know. So now, when you were out with George, you were playing percussion.
2: I played percussion. I was not the drummer. However, uh, in the band, Indugu wanted to um, go out in the front and play uh, the roto toms. And because the, George had a song called "Reach for It," um, Indugu wanted to be in the front and be that lead guy because he had a lot of lines. And he's like, "I want to go out in the front and play." He said, "So E, why don't you?" You know, play drums, and that was the first time really playing drums in a band was with George. And that one song, they're like, "Just play, reach for it." And I'm like, "What?" And it was hard to play. Like, it's I didn't have my own kit, so it's not like I would practice, right? Um, but in Dulu Chancellor, his drum set, everyone's drum set is different. His ride cymbal is like straight up in the air, like it's flat. Right. And to try to play that, like that hurts. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I just played on the hi hat, and um, I just played pocket. That was my job. It's like I'm I'm not going anywhere. I'm just gonna play pocket, and that was it. And I learned a lot playing in George's band because George, he allowed us to to grow as musicians, and he just said, you know, I, he said I'll never tell you what to play. You just do what you do, and if it's something that you know I can add to what you're already doing, fine. Who gets to do that? You know. I know.
1: I know. And you're and you're playing with great musicians because he's yes. gonna, he's going to be playing with great musicians, so you're learning from everyone, really. Yeah. Great experience. Now, what about Lionel Richie? When you toured with Lionel Richie, were you playing percussion or? Percussion with Lionel, right, or drums? I play.
2: I play percussion. I'm trying to think. Did I play drums at all on one song? I don't think so. I think it was just percussion and singing. Was that
1: was Oscar the drummer then? Oscar Seaton or Jerry Brown? No, or Jerry Brown. It was Jerry, right? Jerry Brown. Yeah. 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 Great.
0: Job. We had
1: we had Jerry not too long ago. Um, he was supposed to be out. Everybody was supposed to be out last year, but as we yeah. all know, yeah, we need to be safe. And thankfully, hopefully, things are opening up a little bit drum drum set wise what
0: what that looks like a custom art kit in the back i obviously the bass drum head but the shells have some something on them and what what are you playing right now And what's that kit
2: this kit is a kit that i use for my iconic album and i wanted it to uh bring people together was the focus of the album and and unity so it has unity love peace um, things like that written on the drums themselves, a heart. Um, yeah. And it's, it's all about as, as Ringo would say, peace and love. I mean, it was that kind of vibe. So I wanted white, white drums and, uh, to really bring people together. Um, and I had, uh, that's a DW drum workshop, DW drum set. And, um, uh, I also had them LP side of it is make them Asked to have white congas with the same thing on the on the drums uh, and bongos, so everything what w- looked cohesive with the vibe of the album.
0: Beautiful, kit.
2: Thank you. Yeah,
1: and you've been playing DW long? How long?
2: Uh, I'm. It, it's interesting because I I uh, tell people I when Nam was really like popping and everyone was hanging out at Nam. Um, You know, everyone would show me, hey, you know, Sheila E, come over here, let's endorse this, you can do it, we'll give you this, we'll get, we'll pay you, and I'm like, no, I stayed, I've only been to two company, drum companies my entire career thus far, I've only been to two symbol companies my entire life thus far. Um, If I like something, I'm going to stay there, I'm not one that was hopping back and forth because they were giving me, I only endorse what I believe. And so the first endorsement that I had was with Yamaha. And I actually, what's interesting, I found a a letter that I wrote when I think I was nine years old to Yamaha to say, I want to be a drummer or something like that. Can you please wow. give me some drum? I have it in my scrapbook in my wow. house. I think I was nine years old. That needs to I- go
0: in her legends book, Billy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: And it was just so funny. Like, I don't even remember thinking that I wanted to play drums. And then I thought, well, wait, I did because I saw um, Karen Carpenter playing drums around, I think I was nine or 10 years old. And when I saw the Beatles as well. So that made sense. So I endorsed Yamaha forever. And I still have my Yamaha kids. I love Yamaha drums. And then I switched over to DW and I've been with them ever since. So it's been a really long time.
1: Yeah. As long as I, yeah, as long as I, I remember you, it's always d and Pisces symbols, correct?
2: I started with Pisces and I've been with Zildjian for a long time. Just those And LP.
0: Come. I have and your so, signature yeah. model,
1: Timbales.
2: Yes. So I, and, and, and percussion, I started with LP. And then I switched over to Tolkien. Now I'm back with LP. Yeah.
1: There you go. Yeah. Now we, we brought up our good buddy Ringo. Let's talk about Ringo because you did three tours, 2001. 2003 and 2006 as an all-star. And talk about playing like double drums and, and percussion and drums and let's- With a drum hero. Let's um, let, let let's talk about that, the Ringo experience. Uh, what do you wanna know? <laughs> that's, well, that's, I, um, how, did, how did it come up? Like how did, did he reach out to you? Um, like how did, how did that come about?
2: Uh, he reached out to my management at the time. And um, uh, he asked, you know, he just said, was I interested in being in one of his all-star groups? And well, first of all, the funny thing is my manager at the time, uh, she said, hey, I want to let you know you're going to be shocked who called to ask you to do something. I'm like, who? She said, Ringo, she didn't even finish his name. And I said, yes to whatever he's asking. I (laughs) didn't even let her finish. I had no idea. I just said, yes. She said, wait, I have to tell you what's happening. Um, but he was doing his tour and he said, and they explained to me, um, what it was about and how he had different musicians. Um, and we all played together and we each do two of our songs, at least two of our songs. And, and he would play on one of my songs as well. And I'm like, what, that would be amazing. And, and they, when they said you get to play together and I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, that, that was just unexpected. What an unexpected blessing. And, um, to be able to play, with Ringo, like, for real, the guy. (laughs) I mean, I couldn't even believe when I first met him. When I walked into the room, he was shooting a commercial uh, at um, one of the lots here in Los Angeles. And I walked in the room, he was done, and he had his arms folded. He started talking to me. And I'm like, I didn't even know what to say. I was like, I'm talking to Ringo (laughs) Starr, the original Beatle, the guy, the drummer. I mean, he's. He's just amazing. He's just such a sweet man. And, you know, the things that I learned um, from him, I mean, he's such an incredible drummer and I really, in order to understand his way of playing. Um, I basically had to break it down and figure out because we're playing together, like so two drummers playing together, you've got to really figure out how you're going to play with him so what does that mean we're we going to play the same beat what are we going to do. And it's like I looked at it like this, if I if I saw Ringo walk out of the room, I had to see how he walked. So it was like, how does he walk does he walk like this does he walk like this does he turn his foot a little bit it was that way of. me mentally saying I need to know how he walks, how does he play that it's that whole thing so. Um, So I listened to his music and I, I, they gave me like 28 songs. And so I started listening to the music and I'm not one to really, I always talk about everyone should practice and that would not be me. And I'm sorry that I always say (laughs) practice, practice, practice. And I don't, however, um, this was one of the few times in my life I pulled out a drum set and I set it up in the living room and I said, I'm going to have to learn how to play like Ringo. So when I started listening to the music, I just closed my eyes and I would just kind of air drum. I'm just playing the song because I know the songs. Everyone knows Beatles songs, but now you're really going to play it. Let me make sure the Phil's in the right place, how he, he feels, you know, and, and coming down here and, you know, the bridge and the, you know, is he playing hi hat on the bridge or is it really you ride symbol? and every single time the thing that astonished me the most was i'm playing i'm closing my eyes and when i got ready to do my fill he had already started the fill and i kept going where why is he in, he's in time it's not that he was rushing it's when i thought that i would play the fill that i would uh, normally would play he was already like halfway done and i kept saying why can i understand how is What is his walk? Why is he doing it? Then I figured out while he was playing, I didn't look at it. I'm listening and I said, wait a minute. So by the time I play my hi-hat and I go to do my fill with my right hand, I figured he starts with his left. He went like this.
1: So he's already there.
2: So he went, he already started. He went like this. I'm thinking, oh wait, that's it. That was the breakdown of, I can understand why he's already there, because by the time I go there, he's he's already on to the next one. And I was like, oh my God, that was really a trip for me. The, like, I to opened it,
1: to, right. that, yeah, there's a secret right there.
2: Oh, it was for me, it, it that opened up the door of like, I get it now, I understand, at least some of it. <clears throat> and so it helped me to, if we're doing, you know, the fills to some of these songs that are iconic, that you know they're gonna start there, that's why, you know, I had to change the way that I play.
1: Wow. I know. Um, Jim Keltner, who, we, you know, we both know, he yeah. always told me that. Um, you're, the, you're the only other person besides Jim that told me that, that you can tell. He, Jim always used to say he can tell how a drummer <coughs> plays by the way he walks. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can. I okay. always say, I always say dance. You know if, I, if, I, if a drummer can't dance I think there's a problem
2: but let me say that there's a lot of drummers there are a lot of drummers that can't dance and they play really well so I don't know about that myth it's weird it's interesting okay. but I thought so too I'm like if they can't dance they can't and they're not dancing in time how are they going to play in time right right I don't know there are a few drummers I know that dance very well and I mean, yeah. they don't dance well and they play
1: very good, so. Wow. See, and I, and I know a lot of drummers that can dance and they're really good drummers. I don't... I don't... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and you, of course, I mean, you're, you're a fantastic dancer as a performer. Thank you. I mean, you worked all that in. I mean, besides... I mean, there's a reason why you won. You, you, you deserve this. And there's a reason Aww. why, you know, you are who you are. I mean, percussion, drums, uh, singer entertainer, songwriter, a musical director. I mean, come on. It's like you 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 do it all. And it's not like you just like dabble in and in everything. Everything you do is top notch. It's great. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you definitely deserve deserve all this. Well let's go back now of course because um well everybody well your book everybody should read your book The Beat of My Own Drum. That came out in 2014, right?
2: I have no idea I don't remember
1: yeah I think, I, think it, I think I'm pretty sure I think it came out in 2014 but okay. um, I mentioned it to a couple of people so we got to let people know that that book is out because that was that was a great book and Thank you. The, the little touchy thing um, that I wanted to touch a little bit about it the business uh, the business side of things which is as advice again that you can give is what when I read the book um, I knew a lot about you because I was a big fan. Um, but when you were surprised that you were doing all, you know, you had your hits and you were doing all these elaborate videos at MTV at the time was at its peak. And Mm -hmm. most of the time, those videos cost a fortune to make back then. And you were being billed for hair and makeup and to do, to do these videos and not realizing, um, that you were going to have to pay for all that. (laughs) Kind of,
2: yeah, you know, it's um, it was a it was a huge lesson to learn uh, because you're out on tour for over a year and you come back off. You come off tour looking at the bills that have to be paid and you realize you're nine hundred thousand dollars in debt. And you're thinking how how did that happen? Uh, Wait a minute. Um, The management and the you know anybody who's just if I ask for something don't worry about it yep we got it we'll take care of it I didn't know it meant that I had you said you were going to take care of it right it was it was the small print you have to read the small print that was a huge lesson it really was um and so you know we figured it out and um there were some other things that were happening that on the tour that were not supposed to happen and and it all got cleared up but that was a big lesson to learn and I think um And being in the music industry, especially now, since things have changed so much, we really do have to um, find a way to make sure that business-wise, we know what we're doing. And if we don't know, we have to ask questions until we really understand what it means. And and it's okay to continue to ask questions. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel bad or, you know, I'm sorry I have to ask this, this again. If you don't understand it, don't sign it, you know? You really have to understand it and I wish at the time that I would have uh, taken a business course you know in school um, but I left so early uh, and so I learned the hard way and I'm still learning because things are changing constantly you know um, and, and the way that we as artists as musicians you know how are we making a living there's, there's things have changed now yeah.
1: Right. no it's true because a lot of people all of us when we're growing up, we're just so passionate about playing that of course we would, we all play for free. We don't do it, you know. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, if you're doing it for the money, that's the first thing I tell everybody. When they come to me and they say, hey, I want to be rich and famous. I'm like, yeah, that's not what you want. You want to mm-hmm. be a great musician and hope that you can make a living. And, you know, and but yeah. a, lot of, a lot of us, you know, that's so, it, it's, it's good advice, you know, for people to hear that they should pay attention to the business because it is a business
2: yeah I felt I, I remember um,
1: and you were big at that time. It's not like you were just oh, like yeah. an unknown you know Mm-mm.
2: no, that was at the height. Um, yeah. no it was uh, it was interesting even playing early on when I first started playing and I was like, this is what I want to do, this is my passion. Um, I didn't realize that I somewhat felt offended being paid for something that I really loved to do. So at the beginning I was like please to keep your money don't give me any money no 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 i'm doing i'm doing this because i love to do this you know and then pops pulled me aside and he said (laughs) do you see the refrigerator (laughs) we need some food let's go in there you you make your deals you know it's okay to get paid and i'm like really well i mean you know do i just accept you know what they offer or what you know it was a process i i just didn't know because i was like i don't need to get paid this is something i really love to do and this is my passion. And then I thought about it. It's like, well, how am I going to make a living if I don't receive
1: right, money? Right. All right. Right. Cause as you get older and more responsibilities come, you realize <laughs> right. I, I need a job. Wait a minute. <laughs> I have a job, but I'm not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so now, um, well, talking about that period. Now um, we have to talk a little bit about, you know, Prince. I mean, talk about great drummers. I mean, Unfortunately, I was just starting to actually become, I wouldn't say friends friends, but I was actually becoming friends with Prince um, shortly before he passed because of our dear friend, John Blackwell. Um, And I got to spend a lot of time with him. I mean, Prince himself was just an incredible drummer. And I know your your relationship goes, you know, the whole entire, you know, love him, hate him at times. We all, you know, I know sometimes he was hard, but we all love him. But as far as a musician, I mean, my God, the man was a musical genius. I we all seen it for our own eyes. We all, what, what did, what, how did that come about? How did, how did you, and that whole Prince thing start?
2: Uh, it started with um, with the George Duke era when I first started playing with George Duke in the '70s. Uh, Prince saw me play drums on the song "Reach for It" because, again, Duke, and Duke was in the front. And so we played uh, Don Kirshner's Midnight Special and or the rock concert. Oh, rock, rock! Yeah, right. And Midnight Special. So we played those shows, and at the time, those shows they weren't just one genre of music. It was everyone playing. This. You have from Sly to James Brown to Creedence Clearwater to you know Grateful Dead. I mean, everyone was on the show. It was a mixture of uh, different genres of music. So. Uh, We were able to play on that show and um, we played that song. So I played drums. So when I first met Prince, uh, right when his, I I think his album had just come out. Um, Yeah, it was because I went to see him play. Sorry. Yeah. I went to see him perform and he was playing in the Bay area. And uh, I went to see him play and I, and I went backstage to to introduce myself and he turned around and saw me and he just like, "I, I already know who you are. You know, I've been following your career. You know, he's, and that's when he told me, he's like, I saw you on, you know, those shows because he wanted to play those shows. I saw you playing drums and blah, blah, blah. So that's wow. basically how it started. Yeah.
1: Or- yeah, because I, I know on his first album, he played drums. It I, was the song with you, where it's very Billy Cobham influenced. And he told me that when I interviewed him that he was into Billy Cobham. And I, and you know, and I, I kind of, I mean, I knew he was a great drummer, but I didn't expect him to say, you know, that he was into Billy Cobham.
2: We played, yeah. We played. Uh, was it Stratosphere? Is that a Billy Cobham song? Yeah. Strat- yeah. Yep. That we played that a lot in his band. Stratus. Stratus. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. He was a big. Uh, Starts you, you, with the
0: drum roll. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. where he does that, that yeah. typical fill. That he. Oh my God, it's a classic Billy Cobham film. So, and then you toured. How long? How how many years did you tour with Prince? Um.
2: I mean, collectively, I've never even thought about it because we were, uh, sure, I don't even know. Maybe so the Purple Probably. Rain Tours, the Purple Rain tour started in 84, but we were already working together because we had started recording in 83, I think, yeah. Um, and then I left after Love Sexy around 89 or 90 because I wanted to do my other record. So I finished that record, uh, Love, uh, not Love Sexy, uh, uh, Sex Symbol, and then uh, I left for about a year because my back went out and everything, but um, I was still living in Minneapolis. And um, so I just did some work at home with him or in Minneapolis, I should say. Um, but I was always there in and out. And then we, he'd call me to do the dates and we'd come back and then or call me to open up with my band and then uh, musicology tour. So I mean, collectively, I've never even really thought about it because I feel like There were periods of time I left for like a year or something and just took took a break to do my own thing or go play with you know some other artists and then come back and and then and
1: then and you always sat in with him at times because I I remember uh, I I sat with pops and 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 one of your nieces at the forum in LA and And you, you you came over to say, you know, make sure Pops was good, you know, and he was sitting right in front of us. And I think I even said to you, ah, he's good. I'll, I'll keep an eye, I'll keep an eye. And then you were like, okay, I'm going to go sit in now. And then you, next thing I know you were on stage, John was in the band, of course, and, yeah. um, and, and you were sitting in. So yeah, I mean, you, you, of course you're so associated with him because of that from year to year. And then the sign of the times, I mean, that's mostly all you. Um, now, when you were in this in the studio with him, because I know from John's experience, um, how, how did you how did decide like if he was going to play drums, or did you play drums on that whole album? No,
2: there was no deciding. There, there never was. <laughs> no one ever discussed who was going to do what. We would, you know, if he said show up at the studio at 3 in the morning, we'd go in the studio, and the drums are set up or whatever, and, and if he's on the drums, then I'll go to percussion or... You know, if uh, he's got his bass out of guitar and I go sit on the drums and he'll say, um, you know, he starts counting off a song, we start playing. I mean, it's, um, I mean, if I get called in to do percussion, that's different. But it's, it was, you know, sometimes John was playing drums and I then over double, we would play live and play, I play percussion. Um, the Sign of the Times tour is what I played everything on, except for we switched on one song Um Beautiful nights, but the whole um, uh, sign of the times tour, I played drums. That's, yeah, and, that- and actually that was the first time, I have to say, and that's why I wanted to do it. It was the first time that um, I was a drummer for an entire show as a drummer. I had never played drums for an entire show, and I was like, I want because I told him I was like, I want to go play drums with someone, and I want to go play. I want to play music, you know. And he said, well, I'm going to change my band. So, um, you know, let's start a band together. I said, OK. And then it became Sign of the Times. And it's not like we started a band together. It was his band. But I took, I brought a couple of my musicians from my band, and he kept a couple of his musicians and formed Sign of the Times band. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah no, I know, I know you don't want to take all the credit, but that was you, you and him. I mean, Sign of the Times, when anybody thinks of Sign of the Times, it was, it was Sheila yeah. and Prince. <laughs> Or, or Prince and Sheila, however you want it, but it was always the two of you for that, without no, a doubt. No,
2: it's, it's, it's all him. It's his music, is his, you know, his ideas. And, you know, I, I think that that's what's really cool being, uh, when we would record and, and even jam, you know, being in an environment of having people around you that, you know, if you wanted to change genres or vibes, or, you know, throw in a little Miles Davis horn part, or you know, Charlie Parker or something and uh, and be able to play, you know, we would bring in Eric Leeds and I would just bring all kind of salsa music in and different (laughs) jazz stuff and and that influenced to be able to them with part of my band that Oakland thing we would just you know the jam sessions were so much fun, you know, but you know it's he's he was just brilliant he knew what he wanted and. Um, it was just nice that we were able to do that and even bring things to the table as well that made it different than sometimes than what he would even think, you know.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was, when he brought you into the band, that was a big changeover for him. I mean, like I said, you know, yes, it was Prince and it was his music and everything. But you at that period were a big part of that sound and, and of his career at that time. No, no, no doubt about it.
2: Well, well thank you.
1: So tell me about the, the new business that you're uh, getting into with your candle collection. I, I think it, it's pretty cool. I, I love some of the names and thank you. I can't wait yeah, to smell uh, them.
2: I know they smell pretty amazing. I wish that they could do something we could smell like. oh, It smells like this.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Hey, let me tell you something.
1: Someday it might
2: be. I'm sure. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I, <clears throat> I started a candle line. I, we were. Work, I worked on this for like two years with these two young ladies, Kenley <clears throat> and Trisha, And um, we started this and finally it came to fruition. Um, it would have been last year, but again, with things happening, who was going to do anything? Uh, but yeah, three collections, Glamorous Life, Love Bazaar, and Erotic Collection. And so these are the, the eight and a half and um, size candles um, if you want to take these home. Dun, 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 dun. Yes
1: very these cool home.
2: you can keep these at home and then um the smaller size these are the travel size so these are pretty cool uh and these are tin that the other ones are glass and these are tin god that smells good i'm sorry mm, <laughs> that smells so good and each candle you also get a uh, box matches uh, we thought that this was really cool so you can get a uh, box matches it comes with it and uh, nice. and the back of it are my lip i took a a paper towel in my kitchen. I put my lips on it. I said, make this, which is also in my uh, show. You can see that the the lips on the back of the show, it's the same thing. So you get get to take me home.
0: That's very cool. Those look, those look fantastic. Where can people get them?
2: So you can go to Sheila Yeah, Sheila And, um, Uh, and order them. And, um, we're running out. Actually, we're, we're just about sold out of everything. So we're going to make another order, which is pretty cool. Yay.
1: Nice. Nice. Thank you. And, um, and your TV show, I've been watching, I've been, I've been watching the TV show. So let's, let's talk a little bit about our our good mutual friend, Fred Armisen, because we just had Fred, um, on the cover with, uh, Eric Liederman, who's the, the, one of the, uh, show producers. And, um, I saw Fred on, 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 on your show. Oh no,
2: he's, he's a great friend and he's, I think he's a good drummer. He doesn't think he's a good drummer and he plays everything. And so I, I told him, I said, when I, when I do my show, I want you to come over. And he says, okay. And, and I surprised him because initially I wasn't going to tell him that my dad was going to be there and cause he loves my dad. He loves my dad's music. So anyway, I ended up telling him, I said, I just want to let you know, because this is when COVID was, you know, really running rapid and we weren't sure if we were going to have people still coming to the house. We all got tested and I said, I just want to let you know, my dad's going to be, he was like, what? Your dad's going to be like in prison, like I get to meet your dad. He had never done. <laughs> I said, yeah. He goes, okay, I can't wait. So, um, so he comes in. And I didn't tell him that uh, we were going to jam. We ended up jamming at the end. I brought these little LP box yep. uh, congas and bongos and things. And we just jammed. And I just, I ended up singing either Love Bazaar or Glamorous Life. And he, and he loved it. He had a great time. And um, he showed us, uh, I think it was the cassette of my dad and I, or one of the records. But it was a cassette. And he's like, you can't have this. I just want to show it to you. And uh, he wanted to show Pops that he had that record. It's
1: very cool. He's a great guy. I know. Guy. When we did the yeah. interview, he he he's, he loves Tim he, Yes. He's just fascinated with Timballys, and of course, he spoke about you. And then you, um, before that, you were in his uh, Netflix comedy, Stand Up for Drummers. All oh, right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're yes. you're in
1: that. That's that's pretty funny because he, he's he's he <laughs> he is pretty funny. I mean, he's he's a talented guy.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah, he he was saying, we're going to do something. We'll figure it out. And they had something written. And then we just kind of went, forget, go off script. He said, let's just kind of talk about it, and we'll just do whatever. So, And they had these pedals that had eight pedals (laughs) that were connected together. (laughs) And then I just kind of improv some stuff. He told me, let's try this. I mean, he asked me to do this and do that. I just loved working with him. It was I, I, Because I love him anyway. I'm such a fan. And that was actually, I think, the first time I met him. Um, but we had a great time doing his, his project. I said, Oh, wait, let's, I remember I said, wait, I got one more thing. We can try this. And I remember doing the double kick pedal and, and I asked him to give me a bottle of water. So I doing the double kick and I'm drinking water. Like that was a big thing. I can drink water and do double kick. Pedals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty funny. That did, it was good on Netflix. I mean, it, it was, it was good. So now talking about TV, cause I forgot about this, the, the magic hour with magic Johnson. I forgot all about that. Um, what what was that experience? Because you were the band leader for the mm-hmm. TV. That was a late yeah. night TV show for those who may have forgotten or don't even know. Let's talk a little bit about that because that, I don't. I forget what year that was. Um, Ooh, uh, that was I a think long that was time. 98, ago. Ninety
2: uh, eight, maybe ninety eight, something around there. Um, yeah, I was again, and I don't think since then has it changed. I was the first woman to be a musical director on a late night television show and i'm still the only one i don't think wow. from what i from what i hear i'm still the only one and i hope someone proves me wrong and that that has changed but i was the first one first woman to be musical director for late night television and to me even in in those times i want to say 98 i thought that
1: that was ridiculous like wait what right right yeah yeah. i know cuz i i forgot all of, i forgot that he had a show and i forgot all about i just like that show yeah yeah I mean my god you you, you, you did so much uh, I mean like like I said you you re- your songs um the glamorous life now you're playing percussion and drums well the drums are programmed correct
2: oh on that song yeah drums are programmed yeah. and I played
1: uh, and you're playing on top on top of the machine same thing with love love bizarre yes those were those were two big top 10 hits oh let's talk a little bit about because Ringo mentioned it not too long ago come together Mm -hmm. let's talk about that because you're doing come together and you have Ringo on it yeah now you tell me I
2: I I uh I called him and I said um I called him and I said uh Ringo I want to ask you if you could um play on my album but actually it's your song so you're going to play on your own song again if you would like to do it and it's come together and that ends again the iconic uh, project and um he left a message he said of course and i said okay great so initially the idea was to uh i played drums on the song initially and then i was going to have us both take solos so i took my solo already because he couldn't uh, he wasn't in town when we actually recorded the rec- uh, that, that song. So he said, I'll come in and, and or you can come to my house and we'll do it there. I said, OK, no problem. So I played we played the song. We recorded it live with my band. I took my drum solo. But I thought it would be cool when he goes dun da 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 dun you know, that famous lick that he does on those, right. the toms. I just thought, let me do it on the congas. And so I, I can come up with a different arrangement. And I didn't even know his story that he told me after the fact. He said, I'm so glad I heard the song um, because I was not going to play that fill. And I said, why? I I'll never play it again. I played it once on that song and I will never repeat it. So I'm glad that you played it on the congas. I thought, wow, that I didn't even know that. So um, he played the song. He never heard it, uh, the arrangement of it at all. And we did a longer version of it. So. Uh, because I had a drum solo, but I took out my drums, so he never heard my drums on the song. I took out my solo. I was like, "Let him play and let it be all about him." So he played the song. <laughs> he just said, oh, "He heard the first beginning of it. Wanted to hear the tempo." He goes, "Okay, let's go." So we're at, we're at his house. He's in the studio. He starts to play. I counted it off. He plays the song, and 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 probably three and a half, four minutes in, he's like. This song is long. He kept playing and then there's a breakdown. He doesn't even know the arrangement. Stuff is happening, you know, throughout the song. Four or five minutes in. There's still things happening. And he whatever he played, I kept just and it fit perfectly. He never heard the arrangement. So he kept playing at the end. He's going, Are you kidding me? Like this song is still going? Oh my God, it was amazing though. It, uh, he's just- it came it's, out great. It, it's his song. What are you gonna do, like?
0: And now, great, great pleasure to
1: introduce Sheila Ree and Come Together. This is a beautiful day. We are unified and on one accord. Today, we are together.
0: When we are together, we got power.
1: Out great, dear man. It was it was different, and and I love the fact that you did the you know the congas. It was great. It was a great yeah, the fill
2: on the congas was something that I just thought would be cool, but I didn't know that he wasn't going to play the fill anyway. So it worked out
1: great. <laughs> yeah, that, that was fantastic. Well, before we let you go, um the Modern drama Festival. You played the Modern Drummer Festival twice, I believe. I what year was that? Oh, uh, I don't know. But um, I know, I think the first time you did it, I think Roy Haynes was on that bill. Because maybe. I think, yeah, because I was being yelled at because he didn't like the car that he was picked up in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you were being a little bit of a diva. I'm, sh- but not, I'm sure. But not, but not to me. I was the only one allowed in your dressing, dressing room. Lynn, Lynn would come get me and go, Sheila wants to ask you a question. And then I was the only one allowed in your, in your dressing room. And then I would relate, you know, whatever it was. But I was getting yelled at by Roy because I—I I, I believe it was Roy that that I don't know. They the car that they sent the it had he said it had writing graffiti on it, but it was the sign oh. of of the car <laughs> service car. That yeah, were, sure. <laughs> but then, and then you played again with the Santanic. Uh, there was something all percussion was only percussion when you played the second. Oh,
2: time. right. I remember now it was me, Raul Rico and, uh, uh, Carl Pedazzo. And Carl, right. Yes. We did that thing together. And that was, oh, I remember that was a big deal. Cause I actually had, uh, at the, my tech at the time, we built this special, uh, drum set, like, you know, the frame of it to make it look different. I remember I wore all white and, um, we were. We just talked about what we were going to do. We we couldn't rehearse anything. We were backstage talking about what we were going to play before right. we went on stage. That's what we did.
1: Yeah, that was a great performance. That was a great time. I, yeah, I got, that was really I, I, cool. I, I wonder if that's if they have that on DVD. I got to check that to see if they have that. Do you know
2: what year I was on the cover of Modern Drummer? You know, I was on once before. I think I'm pretty sure.
1: I think you have a little bun. I think it's the one that. I have, on- yeah, it's
2: a big bun. My yeah, yeah. I pulled up
1: with an afro, yeah. So you've only been on the cover once, no?
2: Yes, on- only once. Only once. Really? Only once in the history of my career that I know of, it's only been once.
1: Well, yeah. guess what? Look at now. The cover again, making history <laughs> as the first woman to win the Modern Drummer Hall of Fame. So, okay. what I what want a
0: cover to, this is to have!
1: I and want to at thank a, you. a time
0: where everybody really could use the inspiration that you bring, and thank that your you. career personifies. And uh, we're so proud, and we're so excited, and uh, and honored.
2: I just want to say to tho- those who, you know, you sometimes you you feel like, what else can I do? Or, you know, you want you might want to stop or. you like you're frustrated it's just I have a bucket list and that bucket list I'm doing things that have been on the list for 30 years and I'm still checking things off I never give up that look at that list and go wait a minute I forgot I just did this or now finally this something I want to do 30 years has been on there and I just recently did it and I'm like just don't ever give up so even though again I've been on the cover once I'm still playing. I still love to play. It's my passion. And look at what happened. And now another first. Um, Just never give up. And you you just never know. You never know.
1: Well, you deserve it, believe me, because you know I love you. So thank you. you (laughs) But thank you so much for taking this time. David, is there anything that you want to
0: Thank, thank, you, Sheila, and uh, yeah, it's it, it's amazing for to to have shared this time together. And thank you for sharing, uh, you know, all of your the, your whole history and some of these incredible moments. That you know, that we'd be here for a month if you shared <laughs> even a, a fraction of them. Um, but the ones that you did, uh, and and the you know, early years with Billy Cobham and just everything from there, Prince and. Right up to what you're doing now and and congratulations on the hall of fame congratulations on your candles that you've released and i want everybody to check those out and um and you know just uh, onward and upward
2: thank you very much i appreciate it thank
1: you so so much thank
2: you so much guys i really appreciate it
1: yes and, and, and we'll be in touch
2: all right bye artist anymore i just want to go play with people I'm like okay you want to play in my band i'm like sure
0: Now 63 years old, Sheila is not slowing down. She's on the cover of this special issue of Modern Drummer magazine. She's the first woman ever voted into their Hall of Fame. Yeah, we made history with that one. I'm really honored. I'm humbled.